like Portland, Oregon, my hometown in Wyoming had a river running through it, the Platte River. This was a river so saturated with sludge and slime and gook, it would make our Portland Willamette seem like it had been run through a Brita water filter by comparison. The Platte ran through a housing development a few miles outside the main part of town called Paradise Valley, which would be like Beaverton is to Portland, Oregon, only with just houses and maybe a convenience store or two. I knew some nice people that lived over in that area, but for the most part, the word paradise seemed a ludicrous choice as description. My brother called it Whipcut Valley, which was our region's term for mullet, and which was far more apt, but which probably would not be as enticing to prospective home buyers. My brother and I were both lifeguards different summers in the late 80s to mid 90s at the community swimming pool there, and though it was the only pool in town with a water slide, Guarding there meant you had to deal with nasty PV whipcut kids shooting at you with BB guns through the chain link fence. It was a summer tradition. Between town and Whipcut Valley was a pizza restaurant called Little Big Men. Every summer for 15 or 20 years, maybe longer, Little Big Men and the, lo the local radio station would sponsor the Great River Raft Race which ran from an area called Bessemer Bend, a ways out of town, down the river, through Paradise Valley, and then ended near Little Big Men, which then everyone got off the rafts and had a huge party inside and raised hell in the good old boy fashion. In its heyday, the Great River Raft Race had hundreds of entries. The river was just wall-to-wall, homemade rafts of all shapes and sizes, and it was just like some happy, tuck-fin, brer rabbit, jolly downstream ride with teams earnestly trying to build the most hydrodynamically sound boat and show good sportsmanship and so on. This attitude quickly, very quickly, evolved into a mentality of Let's drink all the beer we can and sabotage all the other teams. This change resulted in a survivalist downsizing of the participating teams as fear of pain and punishment and getting hit with things weeded out the faint of heart and left only the crazed and rowdy and frequently plastered sailing down the plat on the hot, sunny, designated summer day. Most of the teams, no surprise, represented different bars around town or work-related teams such as mechanics or construction guilds. After a few years, the city started adding a jet ski patrol zooming up and down and in and out to make sure none of the sabotaging weapons were potato guns or worse and also to make sure no one was cheating and using a hidden motor to win. My little brother Damien and three of his friends first entered the race the summer after their high school graduation. The three other guys were Sean, Benji, and Mike. Sean Torval was a guy all the mothers referred to as Eddie Haskell because he was as sweet as can be around parents 
and would say things like, my goodness, Mrs. So-and-so, that is a fetching housecoat, and your new needlepoint is coming along nicely, I might add. But the truth was, he was the biggest troublemaker of all, and everyone knew it. Except for his own parents. His folks owned Torval Food and Beverage. And by that summer, Papa Torval had made his son head of warehouse distribution and inventory. This made Sean probably one of the most popular and sought-after men in town, as he could make unlimited kegs of beer appear at your party, if he so choose, with no one any the wiser. I don't know how that business made a dime. It was Sean's suggestion that the four friends build their raft out of nine empty beer kegs lashed together and topped with boards, which they did. They then hoisted their flag, which was dozens of laminated naked centerfolds all taped together, assembled their weapons of sabotage, grabbed their regulation eight-foot oak poles, pushed the unsinkable keg monster into the river, and they were off. Now, there were too many participating rafts for everyone to set off all at once. So the race officials set up a clock at the start and a clock at the finish to keep track of how fast you went. This meant someone could be far behind you and still win. So the trick was to go as fast as possible and take out as many people as you could as you went. Provoking and angering people for the hell of it was also heavily encouraged. The Platte was a tricky river to maneuver, for besides being freezing cold year-round and filthy, it also had a swift current in some places, none in others. It had twists and turns where you couldn't see what was around the next bend, for example, a huge rock, and it was deep and wide in some areas, and in others dwindled down to a thin, shallow stream, especially during a hot dry summer. So the group had barely gone around the first curve when Benji hauled out the first weapons, huge mirrors from a yard sale, which two of the guys flashed at the sun and aimed at the eyes of the members of the other teams. This got old quickly as the potential for said mirrors shattering and causing plain a pain aplenty was realized, especially as the burly bearded captain of the Lou's Mighty Fine Motel and Tavern Raft shouted something that sounded like, as soon as I find a rock, I'm going to start smashing me from skulls over there. So they switched from visual to audio sabotage and got at the bullhorn, which my brother had liberated from the lifeguard shed at the pool where he lifeguarded. The plan was my brother, whose voice was very loud and booming, even without augmentation, would scream at the competing rafters, calling their parentage and sexuality into question, thereby angering and distracting them. While in the meantime, Mike, who was also a lifeguard and a little guy, would swim over to enemy rafts and steal their unguarded beer. Sadly, this plan also failed as Mike had not anticipated quite how cold the river would be at midstream and screamed, oh, screamed bloody murder as soon as he hit the water, by which time his wiry little body was whirled away like a piece of driftwood by the current. 
So my brother, Damien, Benji, and Sean had to pull the raft furiously after him in a rescue mission with Damien broadcasting the maneuver play-by-play over the bullhorn. Teeny-weeny Mikey is swimming frantically. I believe that is a poisonous water snake approaching his shriveled nut area. Mikey has disappointed his team. Uh, He will be having no beer tonight. Folks, please do not squirt cold itty bitty Mikey with your water guns he is embarrassed enough with his tiny tiny shriveled package water snakes reaching out to it finally at the insistence of a passing jet ski official they reached to pull out to him and hauled him back onto the mighty good ship nudie picture empty keg just as they rounded the bend and saw the outskirt houses of Paradise Valley approaching the bank near them growing grassy and filled with tiny faraway children grinning and screaming and pointing at the approaching rafts and holding their ketchup filled water balloons. Now the boys were not yet sure of how well they were doing in terms of speed as some rafts had set out ahead of them and some boats after. But aside from slowing and veering off course to pick up Mikey after he was whisked by the current and shame they had maintained a good speed and were also sober which gave them a massive advantage of over 99 percent of the other sailors many of whom were at this point forgetting about the race altogether in favor of popping cold ones and singing mama i'm coming home along with ozzy in their moon boxes wrapped in plastic garbage bags for splash protection Team Empty Keg Naked Lady was feeling fairly confident as they forged ahead. But like Odysseus of old, a deadly, seductive force was waiting just ahead, waiting to lure them and distract them like so many sailors before. That force was not a bevy of beautiful sirens, singing their irresistible tune on an island of rocks, but rather the 50-foot bright yellow pontoon raft drifting lazily off to one side known as the Little Big Men Pizza Party Barge. The LMB barge was not in the river to compete. It was an evil, tangible oasis where rafters like the overconfident rabbit in the tortoise and the hare fable who figured they were far enough to take a break and still win could climb aboard and luxuriate in blow-up furniture and icy-cold brews and conversation with lovely young women and free pizza to eat and eat. There was a DJ there with a live link up to the local radio station, which made everyone feel fun and friendly and jovial and rowdy. My brother Damien and company rounded a bend, and up ahead, only a few tantalizing yards, there it was, the party barge. Beautiful girls waved happily. Hi, guys, they squealed. Come on over. Behind the barge was a string of rafts tied together. Travelers who had succumbed to the charms of the floating party and let the sweet allure of beer, broads, tunes, and pizza convince them that river raft victory was not all that sweet. Sean stared at the barge. He rubbed his hands together like a vaudeville villain. I'm going, he said. Fellas, I'm going over. Damien 
held the rowing pole in one hand, and grabbed Sean by the t-shirt at the front of his collarbone with his free hand. You will do nothing of the kind, Torval, he shouted. But Sean was lost already. His eyes had glazed over, and it was clear that in his heart he had given in to LBM, little big men and their inflatable succubus fool, the thick mozzarella-coated sweetly tomatoed pizza burning his mouth, washed down by cold, cold, sweaty bottled beer. Girls squealing, maybe three feet deep at this point in the river, and Sean was waist-deep, running for the devil boat before you could say water moccasins, which were there. Damien bellowed in Odyssean fury and aimed the bullhorn at the treasonous deserter, turning it up to full volume. Ladies on the party barge, he announced. The gentleman waiting towards you is one Sean Torval, known to his friends as El Capitan de Ichicrach. Notice he is not concerned by the icy water. The reason is... The icy water is soothing to the burning itch he feels during, due to his captivating, rampaging, incurable case of crabs. How he got the critters is a mystery for the ages, as Mr. Torval spends every available moment in his bedroom with an old gym sock he has named Betty Jean Morrison. Sean turned back around at this point and waded back. The luster suddenly off the gem of the LBM inflatable barge. And they sailed on, the boys, past the blaring music and the pizza smell and the beer tops popping and the giggling girls and the DJ. And it was the home stretch. And now they were moving into the shallow, shallow canal that marked the entrance to Paradise Valley housing development, flanked on either side by steep grassy banks that sloped up to backyards filled with people having barbecues and sitting in lawn chairs and facing the river and waiting for the rafts to pass by and kids, dozens of them, hundreds of them, thousands of them, armed and waiting and hollering. The jet ski patrol careening around the river to ensure fair play in the race did not hold jurisdiction over these fellows, so they had such nefarious weaponry as frozen water balloons, potatoes in slingshots, pellet guns, and big, 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 big wads of dirt. Damien and company's raft passed into the canal, and the objects began flying, making resounding gongs as they hit the side of the bobbied empty keg shell boat. Benji, who had lived in Paradise Valley and knew many of these kids, had been prepared for this. He stepped into the fairly shallow water and walked calmly towards shore, hands underwater, sunglasses on his face like the Terminator. The kids in his sightline screamed in disbelief and delight and turned all their attention away from pelting rafts and towards pelting Benji who had kept perfect stride. Then as he reached the muddy upslope where the river became the bank, maybe two feet from the closest kid, he raised both his arms, revealing two 36-inch pieces of neon plastic technology known as the stream machine, which he had previously pumped full of nasty brown and green 
and black, muddy, slimy sludge and seaweed and tiny rock filled river water and blasted about six kids in their clean pastel summer play clothes clean off their feet. All the surrounding kids turned and ran up the bank screaming for the dads who had seen the whole thing and began running down the bank headed for Benji. Benji did an about face and headed back through the water to the raft, which sailed away with him on it, and luckily none of the dads could be bothered to plow through the water and ruin their shorts to seek revenge. So it was smooth sailing from then on until the end of the race at Little Big Men Pizza Restaurant and Bar, where they waited until all the rafts had come in to find out whose time had been fastest. The good ship nine keg nudie photo flag, which actually had been blasted off and was now floating away somewhere for some lucky Paradise Valley pubescent boy to find, came in second overall. The winning time was achieved by the swarthy and whiskey-soaked crew of the Branding Iron Bar and Grill whose victory was announced by the race officials. Cheers went up, and they were given a big trophy, and beer was poured over their heads. My brother's crew waited for their second-place accolades. But none came. Everyone turned and went yelling and laughing into the bar to party it up, and the second-placers couldn't even follow, as they were underage. Better luck next year, punks, the captain of the branding iron raft sneered drunkenly as he strode past them. And it all ended up right, because Sean Torval, beverage distributor, distributed beer to the branding iron and liberated the trophy with his own hands the following weekend, saving it in his basement. And the following summer, they tied it to the top of their flagpole mast and named their vessel unofficially last year's winners. It's a criminal truth, but it's also a fact.